Welcome to Daikaiju Network's commentary of 1933's King Kong, a movie that come this March will end up being 88 years old. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host... Jason, what's going on, everyone? And Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) So this uh, commentary was selected by Jason for mm-hmm. our first couple months worth of doing commentaries to start off the new year to do something fun and um, uh, just kind of explain maybe why you you chose this one. Well, the one, one of the things I chose is that uh, we haven't talked about any of the com movies for many years. I would say eight years oh. since... The last time was when we did Com Month on the 80th anniversary. We did Kong Skull Island as a commentary, I think, well, in that, late 2018. Yeah. I think no, mm-hmm. 2019. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't quite remember, but uh, yeah, the last time we uh, talked about this movie was eight years ago for Con Month and um, for our regular discussions and everything. And uh, I thought it was sort of high time to do it. The uh, this time around, but not only that, uh, we also get uh, the new upcoming movie that you see down below in the ticker, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which hits theaters in a couple months. And also, uh, speaking of which, we're going to also talk about the uh, trailer, which just released here just a little over an hour ago. And uh, we'll be uh, discussing about that. I'm not sure if you want to talk about that uh, before or after we do the commentary. Might as well just do it now, actually. Okay. So um, let me sort of bring up uh, the cam here for the trailer. And and I'm just going to play this a little bit slowly. And um, let me... Minimize that window here and just uh, mute that off. And sort of the one of the beginnings here that we get is sort of a huge explosion. It seems to be on the mountainside. And I'm guessing that this is a uh, Hong Kong. And the, one of the things I want to show right here, there is something right here that a lot of people have been talking about. And uh, one of the things that I'll mention later that this could this could actually potentially be Mechagodzilla the way it looks because when you uh, move it a little bit more it seems to be more robotic and with Godzilla there's no red with him go ahead Kat I'm putting this theory out right now and I, I I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook or not yesterday, Jason, but I'm putting this out here now. And to my knowledge, I'm the only person who has brought this theory up. Here's what I think is going to happen. I'm going to say right now, the trailer at the moment has us believing Godzilla's the bad guy, Kong's the good guy. And, you know, we, we see like another one or two kaiju in the, in the trailer. Minus this. Mm-hmm. Here's a theory that I think might play out, and I could very well be wrong on this. Because the trailer's saying Kong's the good guy here, Godzilla's the bad guy, despite the uh, the trailer and the poster saying one will fall, 
To me, on some level, the movie's going to toy with that and have both of them live to some extent or walk away. Here's what I think is going to happen. Kong will end up either completely killing Godzilla or have him on his deathbed. And then as a result of that, because of something else, some other kaiju that Kong's going to need help with, mankind is going to turn Godzilla into this cyber Godzilla. That's that's a theory that I think could play out. Um, I'll sort of give my theory at the end on this one, but um, let me continue on here. Um, so we get, you know, basically Khan uh, laying on his side here in the in the boat. And everything that we see here and just from the looks of it if we get to the next scene here he looks a bit sedated and i'm not too is that gal? <laughs> but uh one of the things that i like to mention is that i know there's a lot of mentionings about monarch and the supposed other corporation or uh research Type of company, I'm not entirely sure who. It's called uh, Apex uh, Cybernetics, I think. Uh, something else. But the one thing that I want to mention when it comes to Apex is that the movie, this movie's uh, code name was Apex, and there's a lot of talks and even uh, sort of things that mention apex within this trailer so my uh understanding that apex within this movie is the key to for me i would say the key to everything of what's been going on and we'll sort of get to uh the specific scene of what i was talking about here and let me just go over here we see con chained up we get some of the military people and the like and then of course we get this uh one little girl apparently she's going to be sort of the the link between humanity and con himself within this and of course we've seen uh this little thing uh here from the tv spots and then, of course, in this one, we start to hear Godzilla's moans and howls and everything. And then, of course, this, this in my opinion, this one was uh, pretty awesome of him ramming right into this uh, military ship here. And one of the things that's pretty interesting is that they do the Halo jump music, uh, blending in with some of the other music with in this uh, trailer here so and of course military attacks them um let me so then Godzilla and Khan encounter for the first time and then Godzilla coming up to uh the military uh 
sea craft here or aircraft. And we're missing out on some audio where uh, at one point, uh, I think it's going to come up here in like a few moments where a gal says Godzilla's attacking humanity and we don't know why. I think that's uh, Mark Russell, uh, the character that asked that question. And then, of course, you get that uh, this whole money shot here that we've seen over and over. It's even on a lot of the toy packaging. Yeah. And then see the incredible strength from Khan here, just pushing Godzilla off from the aircraft carrier here. And one of the things that's pretty interesting here that uh, Godzilla unleashes his atomic breath towards the aircraft where uh, King Khan was and just decimates it. And just look at the atomic ray and compare to Khan, his statue right there. <laughs> that's that's Anybody freaking. Anybody want roasted ape? That's freaking huge. And then, of course, and one of the things that, in my opinion, that you know, with your theory, I disagree with that because like that, i said i very well could be wrong because from what i've heard and everything for months is that the hong kong scene which is what this is right here is i think the the final bout and everything and of course here's godzilla right here obviously and um one of the other things too is that this is a facility right here. It's not Hong Kong or anything that Godzilla attacks. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about is this scene right here. If I can bring that up. So this scene right here. I'm not sure if you can see a lot of it clearly, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of stickies around here that talk about uh, Apex. So here, like over here, Apex number two, Apex facility number two, Godzilla attack number three, Apex, uh, Godzilla attack Apex. A lot of the, these facilities of Apex and where Godzilla attacks are pretty damn close to one another. And you got uh, Godzilla attack, uh, got a connection uh, to or be connection between Godzilla and Apex. So one of the theories I want to talk about is that to me, I think Apex is sort of a company that could be manipulating a uh, Godzilla or having to do something that uh, that they're doing where uh, Godzilla does not like what they're doing and trying to get rid of, of what they're doing. So go ahead, Kat. Um, one of the things I want to remind everybody, because I just remembered this. Remember at the end uh, uh, at the end credits of King of the Monsters, that eco-terrorist guy, mm -hmm. they salvaged one of the heads of King Ghidorah. Maybe that will finally play out in this film. Maybe he could... <laughs> Yeah, either that or he could he could have been someone that 
worked with Apex, that could be but, something yeah. too. Like he's some sort of uh, corporate espionage or something, trying to get uh, information or technology for Apex. I just hope that that scene plays out. I'm not necessarily saying that we get, that we have to have Mecha King Ghidorah, but what I'm saying is they're able to extrapolate at the very least with the King Ghidorah head, whether it's DNA or, or a way to manipulate flesh mm-hmm. or something like that or to control these things. That should pay off in some form is all I'm asking mm-hmm. in this film. And like in this uh, few scenes where we hear Millie Bobby Brown is that there could be something that we don't even know about in that regard and one of the things oh and this one here to me from what this looks like in some of the other scenes is that Khan is in uh, the hollow earth as we see and if we can get one of the shots here this is one of the hollow earth uh, vehicles that we see and then from what it looks like the atmosphere and some of the mountains that are upside down, you know, with all the hollow earth theories that we see with a bunch of these mountains sort of upside down and everything. And one of the cool things that we know, and this one right here with him holding the axe and everything, uh, in my opinion, he doesn't actually make it. He finds it from one of the other cons that, you know, what we see with one of their handprints. Going back to the Kong Skull Island graphic novel, that was sort of a prequel that his folks battled all those skull crawlers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then one of the cool things that we see here is the the war bats that we see here or the I forget what, what was the other name they Nozuki or Nozui, something like that. But yeah, yeah the, I, these I are. The name, but yeah, there was more of a, an actual proper noun given mm-hmm. to it. And then one of the other things to confirm the Hollow Earth uh, thing for this movie is that we see all the mountains and stuff up in the, s- the sky here, sort of say. And. Um, and then one of the other things here, of course, we see Godzilla here facing against Khan. And I think one of the things from this one here, in my opinion, I think this is when they face each other in either in Miami or Pensacola, Florida. Um, and that. And then this one here, I think these uh, things that fly down on con here i think it's one of those uh it's the i forget the specific name of this bat it was one of the uh con prequel graphic novels i think it starts with a c or something of the sort so yeah it flies down and one of the cool things that we see right here with con right here is that we get this sort of pattern that's what it looks like sort of a uh, design of Godzilla, maybe made by the ancients or something of the sort that have gone down into the uh, hollowed earth here. And let me try something else here. Uh, 
for whatever reason, your presentation screen on the live feed kind of pops in and out. So I'm not always able to just stay on top of it with you. But uh, yeah, so this is basically the money shot right here with uh, Khan and Godzilla. And uh, with Khan with the axe going towards Godzilla, jumping in the air. And I'm not sure if Godzilla was sort of, well, no. And the one of the scenes here when uh, Godzilla is blasting his atomic ray here that Khan has the axe right in front of him. And it's sort of uh, funny how the axe, I'm guessing from an old Godzilla dorsal fin, probably from the skeleton that he found. Oh, good point. Good point. And uh, the hollow earth is already glowing before the atomic breath uh, goes up against it. And so we see that there and it charges up. I think uh, probably one of the things what I thought about before we the trailer was released. I thought Godzilla was strategically going for the axe, knowing that it has like the same look and familiarity to his dorsal fins. I thought he was strategically going or aiming at that to possibly um, overload the dorsal fin because his dorsal fins from a lot of people say that it can be a conductor uh, to hold the uh, the atomic ray power and trying to concentrate or evenly distribute from one another. And I think my initial thought was that he was trying to aim at the axe to overload uh, that dorsal fin and to destroy it in a way. And that could be somewhat plausible but um i'm not entirely sure what's going to happen but once uh con goes down there and everything and i think once we see that uh explosion there i think right then and there that the axe could potentially bust at that point but uh yeah after that you get the title credit and then the trailer's uh, essentially over. So, with you uh, having to just see this trailer, well, actually, before we get to that, there is one thing that I want to point out. You see this back here? I can't know because, once again, your feed, your live feed just went Okay, I have to open up like the chat window. Uh, what am I supposed to look at here? Oh, on the, then it disappeared again. <laughs> well, on the top left corner. Top left, I see something there, yeah. This could like potentially... From my guesstimation and from what other people have guessed, that this could be Mechagodzilla right here. Because you got the feet here, and the arms, everything right there. And the feet just looks exactly, almost look exactly looks like Godzilla's, but just more robotic and everything. And then this guy here, from what we've heard, that this guy plays as uh, Sarazawa's son, Ren Sarazawa. 
And oh just boy. the way everything looks and how things are going, I think he works for Apex, and he could potentially be the antagonist to this movie. And one of my theories, sort of going off of yours that I just came up with the eco-terrorist having to proclaim uh, Ghidorah's head, maybe that they could have used that Ghidorah's brain or maybe some of the other uh, elements from that uh, blown-off head of Ghidorah's that they could potentially implement it within this Mechagodzilla and sort of go off that way. But, it could. Yeah, very well could. But either way, uh, what are your initial thoughts after seeing this trailer um, for the first time not long ago? Well, kind of like I told you immediately uh, during my viewing of the trailer was that um, – and we will get to the commentary soon here, folks. Um, my thing was that I went from being very excited to all of a sudden now I'm actually pretty down on it. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, kind of once you get roughly midway through the trailer, you start seeing these jets attack Godzilla and then how Kong is the key and all that. And it's depicting Godzilla as the villain, uh, even though there's a couple of lines at best that talk about uh, Godzilla is going nuts on humankind. They're not sure why. Um, I'm just kind of sick of this whole giant ape. They're going to be the good guys because they are more closely related to human beings. And therefore, anything that's a reptile is a bad guy. And granted, uh, this trailer hides an awful lot. It gives you some little quick Easter eggs and all that stuff to kind of, you know, like we just did. If you slow it down enough, you can find some of them. Uh, you know, and I understand that there's a very good possibility there's several big key story elements we just won't know about until we see the film and who knows, maybe Godzilla on some level will triumph or, or be a good guy as well. Uh, as we progress through the movie, uh, but taking it as it is, you know, just going off of what I've seen, it looks fun, annoyed and down at the fact that, again, it's Godzilla is looked upon as the villain. And I, you know, we got that in King Kong versus Godzilla 1962. I understand in many ways they're going to at least play with that for a decent part of this film. I would like to see someone and and kind of mess with the story and do it the exact opposite of what they did in 1962 and make Kong the villain. <laughs> Good guy. And, and, you know, I just I understand that there's a whole lot we don't know and all that and and what have you. And, you know, the title or the tagline of this film is one will fall. Um I'm 50-50 on that. Part of me thinks that that is true, that one of them will end up dead. Um, another part of me uh, thinks that, no, that's just some sort of tagline to get butts in the seats and, and what have you. And it's not going to play out like that. So, you know, I mean, 
my initial thoughts are if it is something that they will play out initially, I think, oh, they're going to kill Godzilla. Um, because again, like I said, part of my theory is that maybe Godzilla turns into that cyber Godzilla, perhaps. Um, thinks that maybe Godzilla and Kong will team up against something bigger and badder and that Godzilla is going to end up getting the brunt of the damage and end up dying like near the end of the battle and then Kong finishes it off um, or team up and defeat you know and then Kong is the one who gets badly hurt and then is the one that ends up dying immediately at the conclusion of the battle <laughs> Well, uh, for me, when it comes to these versus movies nowadays, I think they're going to more or less sort of tie with one another. But from what I've heard it from some of the other people and all that, but just sort of take it with a grain of salt that um, that within this movie, from what I've heard, that Godzilla will eke out winning just by slim margins but with this potentially if I can uh, get to this one particular uh, shot right here with this uh, potentially Mechagodzilla in the background on this uh, computer or monitor screen here that I believe with Sarazawa's son potentially be a protagonist uh, in this uh, film that I think that they're going to team up towards the end battling against Mechagodzilla here because I know within the synopsis over at uh, the new GodzillaMovie.com which just got updated when the, the new trailer dropped uh, just about an hour and a half ago uh, and I know that the synopsis has been around for some time about uh, something trying to uh, wipe out all of the Titans or something like that. I th I'm going by verbatim. I'm not doing an actual quote or, or anything. I'm just trying to figure uh, from the top of my head as far as I know. So I think this could be the... Th the thing that's supposedly be the answer to wipe out or control all the titans is this new supposed Mechagodzilla. That could be my theory of what this whole entire movie is going to go on. Is that obviously Godzilla and Connor and duke it out. And I think one of them is going to eke out a win. Both of them don't die. But then there's a third... Uh, a third uh, anomaly that comes into play and both Godzilla and Khan in my opinion would team up to battle against what could be Mechagodzilla that's my theory yeah, I hope you're right. I, again, if I had it my – because I love these characters so much. And you know, even though if, if, if you put a gun uh, to my head and you said, okay, you have to pick one to, to perish, who would you pick? And immediately I would say Kong. Um, you know, even though with today's technology and everything, it would be very sad. Nope, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot more sad than if you saw it in 62 with that goofy suit that they had going there. Um, <laughs> the thing is, um, 
Though I am like you, and this is something when I heard that this movie was officially greenlit, uh, kind of like you, these studios don't have the cojones to give you a clear-cut winner. I mean, this goes all the way back to 1943 with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Arguably, a lot of pe- people's um, uh, the, a lot of what people say being the first sort of crossover, you know, combat head-to-head of two major characters uh and even then that movie ended up with both of them losing however you want to want to call it and then you had avp more or less a tie avp requiem basically a tie freddy versus jason yep. kind of looks like jason won, but then freddy gives you a wink at the end before the credits come up um batman you know, versus it, superman <laughs> but well, yeah, Batman versus Superman. Um, you know, the, the, they they bring it out as ties when at least those two come, those two characters come together. So uh, yeah, I mean, I still believe on some level that it's going to end up in some sort of draw, and that's that. But if again, I still go back to the tagline of this film that one will. F- fall again if i'm gonna take that seriously i have to assume one of them will end up dead by movie's end yeah and not saying the other not saying like godzilla will kill kong or kong will kill godzilla but you know maybe in in a bigger battle against a bigger baddie that you know well and then the movies that you mentioned earlier it's like most of those consist of you know huge like culture icons and same goes with Godzilla and Khan here both of them are huge culture icons and and most of these pop culture icons when they face one another in these movies yeah they essentially tie so in my opinion I think it's going to still go in that route but still maybe one of them barely ekes out a win and I think in just my humble opinion that Godzilla could barely and one of my reasons is that this is a sequel movie to Godzilla King and the Monsters not Kong Skull Island well in a a way it is a sequel to that it's just many decades after the fact yeah but this one is still technically a Godzilla movie in its own right so well same thing as it being a Kong movie in its own right too yeah (laughs) But uh, with that being said, I still think that um, it's still going to be one of those uh, movies when big pop culture icons face one another that it still could wound up a tie. And with that, with that whole uh, one will fall tagline, I know a lot of those uh, sort of similar taglines have been used. And in my opinion, I think it's just a bait. It's well, yeah, it very well opinion, could it's a be. Bait. And we won't know though until we see it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean, if, if you, if you, as Warner Brothers and Legendary are trying to get me hooked and 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 really wanting to find out who is going to fall, then yeah, you've got me hooked because I'm like, oh crap, like which one is going to fall, and it may end up. Either one. So, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So again, uh, we won't know until we see it. Mm-hmm. So with that, is there anything else you want to touch upon for this uh, trailer, or should we uh, move on to our meat and potato of this episode? Yeah, we've spent forty minutes nearly on this. <laughs> my my final thought just is is a quick thing of this. I'm still excited about seeing the film, but I am disappointed and and a bit saddened that at least with what I saw in the trailer it appears as if Godzilla is going to be depicted as the villain. And I know that's going to be true to some degree in the film, but part of me is afraid that again, following the tagline, if one's going to fall, I fear that it, it, it might be him. And so and that's all I have to say. It looks fun. It looks entertaining, but I am a little disappointed and, and saddened at the, at the possibility that if one's going to die, it's going to be him. And then my final thoughts on the trailer itself, that in my humble opinion, just don't look too deep into right. what's being displayed within this trailer. It's like a lot of times when it comes to these trailers, they're always deceiving and that they don't initially point out of what's actually going to happen or what's going on until the whole movie is released. But uh, with that said, I think there's more to it than meets the eye. And I think there is a reason why uh, Godzilla is going the way he is. Cause in one of the other scenes where he was attacking uh, this area with his atomic breath, it, it was at a facility. And then this map of the globe with all the dock connections and everything that there's a lot of these uh, sticky notes with uh, apex, apex facilities, number one, two, whichever. And then Godzilla, attack number three or four nearby these sticky notes so there could be some sort of connection of godzilla attacking uh apex specific facilities of what they're actually doing or could be a manipulation of some sort with apex and my opinion that apex could be the key in this entire film and one more quick question, and then we probably should move on here to our commentary. We should have done this as a separate thing here. Um, one more quick question. All those kaiju we saw at the end of King of the Monsters, you know, that other Mudo, Rodan, and, and some of those other titans, will we see all of them, and I mean all of them, return in at least some capacity here? Like, yeah, at the very least, going to see Rodan again. Um, that's that's the question. That's the question, <laughs> and we didn't see any of those uh, familiar kaiju that we saw in the previous film in this trailer, but they could be within the movie once that movie comes out. But um, as of right now, it could be in the uh, up in the air at this moment. I mean, for, as of right now, we got that uh, vampire like uh, bat that's. Could have been in the the con prequel comic books, and as well we saw Warbat, couple of the Warbats within that Hollow Earth uh, battling against Khan there. So those are the only ones that we know of outside of both Godzilla. Skullcrawler should show up at some point too, because they made a figure of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure if we saw any within that uh, trailer. If so, they're probably. Uh, hidden quite well within that but um, either way uh, 
I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this movie and see what actually plays out. Yeah, we need, we're going to have to get that on the schedule, too, so we can discuss it uh, after it comes out in late March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'd maybe say on the day or the day after. I would say day after. <laughs> that way we get, you know, a, a full, like, because I think it's not coming out on HBO Max. If if Wonder Woman 84 was in the indication, uh, it may not come out on HBO Max till noon on the 26th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Until then, that's that's all we're going to talk about for uh, Godzilla vs. Khan for right now. Yeah, this should have been a separate segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, here we are. Speaking of King Kong, the original one, uh, starring Fay Ray and Robert Armstrong and a host of others. And the, uh, the, the one that helped to inspire one of the two uh, monster films that helped to inspire Godzilla, King Kong. Woo! The original. All right. (laughs) So both Jason and I have the edition where there's like the four or five minute overture at the beginning. However, we're going to skip that. So what we did is we went to the scene selection, our DVDs and Blu-rays, and we have selected the credits and forwards, the chapter two. And and this is the uh, the edition that we got the Kong. He's got the DVD version. And I've got the Blu-ray version. So this is uh, the one that we're looking at right now. Yeah. So we're sk- we're gonna skip the overture. There's really no point in, in having that up. Nope. Um, and so we're just do the credits and forward. So uh, that's how we're gonna do it. Let me unmute here. Oh, I guess I did have it off. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, okay, so are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so I'm going to go three, two, one, go. When I say go, that's when we hit the select button. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right. All right. And then let me get the uh, commentary cam on so you won't have to see us through, throughout the entire thing with us just doing random shit. Radio Pictures presents Kingu Kongu. I thought about going through crap. I don't have. Hey, Lincoln, can you hand me the DVD case there, please? I thought about going through. There's like an extensive um, behind the scenes. Was it? Yeah, seven part documentary series on the making of this. Uh, I just didn't have time, <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't able to go through. Um, go through with it. But my understanding, because I've uh, listened to one other podcast, it was. Um, one of the movie podcasts that I listened to, they were covering some of the Kong films. And obviously this is the first one they covered. Co-host went through the documentary and was talk. They spent a good like 45 minutes just on that podcast talking about the but some of the behind the scenes stuff. And it was very extensive. And uh, all I can remember was I believe certain um, – like Marion C. Cooper uh, was kind of this big adventurer and, and all that. And so this film in some respects is sort of um, um, 
I, I guess an homage to his hunting and adventurous expeditions, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Well, um, I know, I know Cooper, he made a lot of those uh, animal type flicks before Khan. And I think that it sort of goes along that of what you were talking about. But yeah, it's like. Well, until this movie was expensive. In fact, it went over budget. And I think if I remember correctly, it ended up being somewhere around half a million, I think. Which, of course, for 1933 standards, you know, what, four years after the start of the Great Depression? That's mm -hmm. a lot of dough. Yeah. And for those that have that uh, Blu ray edition or possibly the. DVD version of this movie of the cover that I showed you. I'm not sure if your blue uh, DVD has it, but my Blu-ray version it has this uh, built-in uh, booklet that discusses talks about uh, the movie itself. I don't know if you can see that on so. the screen. Can you hand me the case again? And yeah, when discusses. I Oh. It discusses about things uh, up close and personal, nope. uh, like this one page here where it uh, states, In early 1933, the darkest period of the Great Depression, about 25% of the labor force in the U.S. was unemployed and patronage at movie houses had fallen dramatically with many theaters shutting down. Uh, President Franklin Roosevelt was about to close every financial institution in the country in order to avert a panic and to push through an emergency banking bill. And that's just one of the pages uh, talking about what went on in uh, the year 1933 and then just goes about talking about uh, Marion C. Cooper here and showing some really great pictures of the movie uh, yeah, it's it's a really great booklet if you have this uh, particular uh, Blu-ray version of Khan, which came out several years ago. I think I got it uh, before we did the uh, Khan month eight years ago. Gosh, it's hard to believe it was that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember that clear as day. Oh, someone posted up some screenshots uh, that they took of the trailer, and I'm seeing um, the one with all the Apex ones. Let's see. Godzilla sighting. Godzilla attack number three. Connected between Godzilla and Apex? Question mark. Apex facility. Apex facility. Some of those I can't read. Godzilla attack. Attack damage 1.2 million, 23 injured. What's next? Apex facility, government building, water something. That's about all I can actually see. Antarctica, a no-go zone for tourists. Well, no shit. <laughs> um, there's the Mudo paper on the bottom i just noticed that that where um oh brian cranston character's name had at the beginning of that film mm -hmm. anyways back to kong <laughs> <laughs> and
And Robert Armstrong's character, Carl Denham, I think in some ways is supposed to be kind of based off of Marion C. Cooper. I'm not sure about the personality. Well, not entirely, no. Yeah. But as far as the interest of doing, uh, making movies with animals and all that, yeah, you can see a similarity between the two. Man, it's been basically almost eight years since I last watched this movie, and I couldn't quite remember seeing this uh, entire scene. This is – I've seen this movie enough times to where, yeah, this is one I, I always seem to remember. And if you watch, too, I be, uh, Peter Jackson's Kong right there in Times Square, I do believe, uh, like that Chevrolet and that Pepsodent mm-hmm. uh, advertisements, I do believe those um, uh, uh, shown in that Times Square part of Jackson's Kong. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. And then, of course, that whole – uh, Yellow Taxi Corp. We see that in a 2005 com movie. Yeah. All those soup lines. Some say the original Scream Queen right here. <laughs> what do you think an R-rated version of this film would look like? You think like Carl Denham would pull, pull out a shiv and just gut the guy right there on the sidewalk or something? <laughs> or a shank. <laughs> but it's also funny that uh, comparing both the original version here and the 2005 one, how they did that whole Apple scene and stuff to connect or make them similar. It's sort of nice to see that, especially in the 2005 one. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love uh, about that film is that it is in many ways, you know, a almost verbatim remake. Of course, Jackson, what he ended up doing, he incorporated a scene that was shot for this film, but not included that insect pit. Um, So incorporated uh, other character moments kind of within the first hour of the film. Um, going to be a popular thing for a lot of people and I think I definitely talked about it you know eight years ago and I think I've talked about it a couple times since then is while I love this film an awful awful lot um, I still like Peter Jackson's Kong better um, I know this is the first and all that um, but I think his Kong film better characters the characters are more fleshed out the characters here by and large are one-dimensional some at best maybe become two-dimensional but not for long um this film was just a little over two years ago Uh, i showed my son lincoln this during christmas of, of 2019 and 
I that was the first time again in like maybe six, seven years I had seen it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is still a good, fun film. But I thought the character, I was reminded that the character work in this film is really not that good. It just isn't. And I think that's something that you, you just have to not to say that makes the movie bad it's not it's still a fun film you know for mm-hmm. a film that's going on 88 years uh it's still a lot of fun i still mm-hmm. love it an awful lot um but i think if i'm comparing it with the other kong films when i get to peter jackson's film um this one in many respects i think pales in comparison to that one well and then of course, I think a lot of it deals with product of its time. I think that they oh, didn't yeah, know a whole lot that they didn't go too deep into storytelling or development of That's the characters. That's not necessarily true because there were other films at this time that did good, did do good character work. But I think because of its because of how expensive it was and all that, um, and just kind of what they were wanting to do. I think they just kind of wanted to give you just enough to, to get the general idea. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with the, the full-on time that there is for this movie, if, if I can find the Now we're 45 time. minutes, not including the overture. At least I don't think it's including the overture. I'm guessing it could be, but... Um, but yeah, with the 2005 Calm movie, with that being, I think... Well, over three hours or something. So yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. So yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of time for character development within that kind of movie, whereas this one that they just want to basically get to the point. Did you ever see the um, um, ended cut of the 2005 film? The, the, uh, the extra 15 minutes attached. Maybe. Let me go check, see if my uh, version has that. Let me just double check. So yeah, I just saw it here. Under the additional features, it includes both theatrical and extended versions. Have you seen it, though? Um, I don't remember, but we could have... My thinking is that we could have potentially when we did a commentary on this movie many we years didn't. ago. I don't think so, because I showed Lincoln that when I showed him that film back in like June of last year. And we did the Ultimate Edition one because I bought that one three or four years ago and had not bought brought that one out until I showed it to him. And yeah, like... I think really all the extended footage is on the island uh, because you get like a Styracosaurus uh, attack scene. You also get like uh, kind of a, an eel attack scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like a few other smaller tidbits uh, as well on the island. But the, the 
Styracosaurus and that eel um, attack are kind of the, the bigger highlights of of that extended footage. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if I did see it or not, because it's been many years since I've last watched this movie. But I wonder if the uh, the 4K version of the film, they should also have it. Let me just check. Uh, come on, mouse. There we go. Cute little monkey. It's kind of funny. They got him tied up with like a piece of twine there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, you know, that little monkey probably could shoot right through that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just like a little flimsy strain the way it looks. I do like Robert Armstrong. I think he's a good actor. He acts, uh, at least with this character, and I'm sure it's probably just how it's written. I don't know how Robert Armstrong was outside of uh, the two Kong films uh, in some uh, of his other pictures, but he, he comes off very bombastic and and uh, hyper. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here, King Kong. Think I'm going to fall for your dame? Well, you are a man, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Swooning over her. (laughs) Ah, darn. The 4K con isn't available in my area, but the closest one is six miles away. Just order it. You might end up actually saving money anyways. You got Prime. Yeah. Well, I'm Amazon's at, got everything. <laughs> well, I'm also looking at getting a couple uh, Ultraman Blu-rays. Ultraman Leo's coming out in a couple months. Uh, Taro recently came out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at... Get- Getting both Ace and Taro. I sent you the Ace DVD collection I had, right? Yeah, but like I mentioned, I I just want the nicer version. <laughs> I don't, have you looked at the DVDs I sent you? Of Ace? Yeah. Uh, no, I've... I've actually been wanting to, but just haven't had the chance to. Check out the subtitle stuff. See how they come through, because God knows Mill Creek won't listen to me and change the color of their subtitles. I asked, because um, uh, he started watching Ultraman Taro, Tim Bean, and I asked him. I kind of knew what the answer was, but I thought I'd ask anyways, just hoping and praying maybe Mill Creek would listen to us on this podcast. And I'm like, ah, well, of course he didn't. But <laughs> uh, the color of the subtitles, and he goes, yeah, they're white still. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to the, those uh, sort of DVDs, I may have an inkling that it could be yellow. Yeah, because I had the Return of Ultraman um, DVDs, and they had yellow subtitles, mm-hmm. which I was very grateful for because I'm like, oh, holy shit, I can read these. <laughs> <laughs> 
for me, either way, I can go either way because, uh, like a lot of the anime uh, subtitles or TV shows I watch, most of them are subtitled, and they have most of them have the white with the black uh, outline. Yeah, I mean, even that would help. Now, with Skull Island, and I know this is, you know, a fairy tale, and I'm thinking too much into it, but, um, you know, you have this island, you know, it's yay size, and it has, um, you know, a giant gorilla, and, and in this film anyways, dinosaurs. In order to sustain something like that, first and foremost, how did that island survive the mass extinction event 65 million years ago? And not only that, in order to preserve that kind of life on an island that size, wouldn't weather patterns have to be as such to where they are just completely freakish and no and i said that earlier <laughs> but it's just like you know freakish to be able to sustain that sort of life because um you know when it came to the dinosaurs in terms of their size a lot of scientists have found ample evidence to suggest that the oxygen level was a lot higher than which kind of helped you know to make them bigger well well not only the and, oxygen levels but uh, carbon dioxide levels as well as making everything nice and warm making right. that humid climate and everything well like i was saying too like the with skull island like the weather patterns would have to be absolutely freakish in order to help sustain that and then in this movie in particular well and then i guess even in jackson's film too like you have so many different like dinosaur and other types of animal life and exotic skull plants island, island i think barely shows up as like a little speck on a map you have all this different life on that small island i mm. mean yeah there's not enough <laughs> i mean i know i'm thinking way too much but i'm just kind of wondering because i've never heard anybody explain this before the closest we ever got was in skull island it had that um well, and it follows this film and the 76 film where there's, you know, that, that fog and stuff. And in the Skull Island, it was kind of like a storm, large storm cloud encasing it as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that had something to do as well. But yeah, something I've thought about from time to time, it's just like in order to, you know, sustain that life and all that, like so much would have to take place mm -hmm. and happen. Yeah, it's just probably best left for another oh, discussion <laughs> <laughs> i have no answer i just am bringing it up <laughs> or just need to find time to actually take a look into it i'm sure other people have a asked that and i'm sh and i'm sure there are probably a few theories out there oh i wouldn't doubt it and there's probably some specific blog out there that's I'm gonna dedicated see to if it. There is something out there. <laughs> Let's see here. So right now they're they're uh, going through the fog and everything here. 
Let's see. How is how is Skull Island able to? I guess. What do I? How do I want to phrase this? How is Skull Island able to sustain dinosaurs? We'll just try that. <laughs> Forum on DVD talk some person has. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, well, that's definitely BS. <laughs> oh, here's a Cora thing. Let's see what this one. In the King Kong film, how are the dinosaurs and the prehistoric creatures able to survive from the prehistoric timeline Skull Island? Let's take a look at some of the answers here. And then, of course, right now they've got out of the fog here and discovered Skull Island here. And trying to figure out if there's any potential life on the island there. As you can see, the giant wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think in the uh, 2005 version, it, I think that they had uh, the whole uh, village and everything sort of well into the uh, Skull Island there, whereas this one is more on the, the outer edges, I think. Oh, no, the, the one in 2005, like, y you talk about outer edges. This, the one in 2005 is a, way on the outer edge because you know how jagged that version of Skull Island was. Um, like, the, the houses and stuff were like, built on stilts and all that in that one well that and some of them were stone built or possibly could have been carved into the stone it's been a while since i last watched it so so like on this quora thing uh an answer one person had was that in the 30s they they believed that dinosaurs um, were evolutionary dead ends, and they thought cold weather and mammals uh, brought about their extinction. Thought um, that um, even though dinosaurs living in a remote location was ridiculous, they thought it wasn't entirely out of the realm of possibility that they could live on like a remote island. Um, and then another person wrote – they had three potential answers. Uh, he writes that it was a place that somehow escaped time, which I'm like, no, that that makes no sense. It was guarded yeah. by some strange creature with special powers. No, because we've never heard or seen anything about that. And then this yeah. one, basically what we talked about a bit earlier, the permanent storm that covered the island was no ordinary storm. It could have acted as a shield, but has weakened over time to be able to let helicopters pass through. Do you think, you know, that storm probably had something to do with it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the magical creature things like there's no lore or anything of the sort that we've heard of in the Khan universe. 
it would just be weird too because it would almost kind of act like a god like it would never yeah yeah i mean first of all it would attack these ships or something like that if it got close enough i'm sure yeah and with with this universe it's more ground based it, there wasn't anything as far as bringing some sort of supernatural phenomena into <laughs> the con universe yeah but yeah as the whole uh, village scene compared with this one in 2005 they're just night and day where like this oh, one yeah. like this one just has that more than normal um, uh, native uh, tribe stereotypical idea of yeah of these indigenous people that's that's the word I was wanting to get out but yeah just kind of geared more towards that whereas the other one it just seemed like that they were just sort of stuck and just sort of went completely insane in that regard yeah like it, my biggest complaint of the Peter Jackson film is the depiction of the uh, I almost said Faro Island of the Skull Island <laughs> natives. Um, yeah. On the one level, I do think if you live on a place like that with, you know, a giant gorilla and all these dinosaurs and other ferocious large creatures potentially coming at you. Yeah. Like, um, I couldn't hear I that. See, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, at the same time, though, I thought making them like these – making the, the, the natives themselves so – like I, I mean really way out there psychologically and also very violent individuals as well, I thought was taking it just a bit too far. Like I thought that was – never really cared too much for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that—that's really only my main criticism of that film is sort of the depiction of the natives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, we've been found out. I always think of Carl Weathers when I see that guy. He just kind of reminds me of Carl Weathers, just with a bigger fro. Or it just reminds me of the uh, the Faroe Island chief. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Well, you know how much, you know, Tomoyuki Tanaka and all those people love this Kong. Uh, and, you know, they were wanting to do King Kong for the longest time, and they finally got the licensing. And be like, you guys did all right, but your Kong suits were a disaster. I would say mainly the, uh, the Kong Escapes one. Because I can uh, at least, I can at least see them trying to go more towards the original version because as you can see on the front cover on the screen there that they were trying to go gear towards that version but <laughs> the parents just they didn't quite execute it well to be honest 
Yeah, the the King Kong Escapes uh, version is definitely the superior one of the two, which isn't saying much because the bar was already incredibly low after 1962. <laughs> but um, it is a big improvement. But this that suit in and of itself showed its deficiencies when it was in the ocean during you know those few moments. And it's just like, oh, this <laughs> this looks worse than the other suit. <laughs> The other suit took water better than this one. The, you know that that one in King Kong Escapes, it shrank basically down to uh, Nakajima-san's, you know, body, you know, size and all that. Whereas the sixty-two yeah. one didn't do that. So <laughs> it's just like, holy shit, guys, you can't do anything right. <laughs> 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 I don't think we've done that one yet. <laughs> Let me check our website see if we have. I'm checking on my list. It's going to be quicker if I do it this oh, way. Okay. I don't think any of these Kong. F- Films, it's really mentioned what he does with the um, female sacrifices, doesn't? I think the closest we get to is 2005 again, where I think he like eats them because we see um, Kong is running around Skull Island. They come across a kind of like a bed of human bones at one point. Yeah, when he was uh, carrying, when he was carrying her into his uh, cave there. Yeah, like uh, I and, and they had like six. Because, like in the two thousand five version, when we saw the pile of skeleton bones and everything, that they had a similar necklace on them that she wore. Oh, that's right. Yeah, seventy six. I don't think touched. I know this one doesn't. King Kong versus Godzilla. So have we or have we not? What? <laughs> I didn't quite hear you there. Oh, I'm like checking to see if I had my mute on. No, we haven't. Okay, good. <laughs> we haven't done a number of the other ones too. Like we haven't done uh, the 76 one. Oh, and we haven't done uh, King Kong Lives. We did Skull Island in late 2009. Uh, t- not 2009, 2019. Um, we're doing this one now. The Kong either. <laughs> Got to pull this thing up again. Yeah, speaking of which, did we do the 2005 version? I could have sworn that we did. Because we did because we were at our folks when we did yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. I was like on spring. No, I was out of school then. Duh. Um, or like in late March or early April or something. Yeah. And we did it. Loading, loading, loading. I guess we did do Son of Kong. I don't remember doing that one. Let me check the website. 
Kong. There we go. I just missed it. Yeah, we haven't done that one. Oh, okay. Remember, because I knew the 2005 and Skull Island for sure we did. Mm-hmm. I remember both of those. Yes, sir. Now leave me alone. <laughs> Can't you see here? I'm busy. Yeah, we did uh, Colin Skull Island September 7th. Yeah, because what we wanted to do at that time, uh, because at that time, King of the Monsters recently on home video. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to go through the monster first. So we did, I think, Skull Island first, because I think we did it by timeline. Yeah, we did. So we did Skull Island at- 2014 and then King of the Monsters. Yeah. Did one a month. Like in September, we did Skull Island and 2014 in October and then King of the Monsters in November, I believe. Mm hmm. At least we're staying a little bit more on on track here in terms of <laughs> the topics. Whereas when we did uh, the the '98 Godzilla film here a couple of weeks ago, we were all over the place. Yeah, the only the only con movie that that I'm seeing that we did commentary wise outside of this movie was King Kong Escapes, and that was back on the first of July, 2013. Oh, that one. Too. Yeah, because we had oh, what was his name? Um, Joe. Joe. Yeah, like he um really loved the movie, and he I remember him wanting to do a commentary with us on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've done what three Kong films? I forgot about King Kong Escapes. that actor like really speak that way or they're just kind of like no this is how you're gonna talk the uh the chinese guy yeah i forget the character's name i would know it once i heard it or saw it i'm sure he was probably that's how he actually speaks Everybody on deck. Oh, the budget for this thing. Let's see. Cast. DBD DBD do. DBD DBD do. DBD DBD do. At least on. Um, uh, uh, um, Wikipedia here. The guy who plays the native chief is actually getting higher bill than some of these other guys. <laughs> really? <laughs> Uh, yeah. So on Wikipedia, they don't ha- have as extensive of a cast list as I thought they would, which is kind of odd. Let me go elsewhere here. Let's go to IMDb.
let me get my pants on here. IMDB, the score people have given it 7.9 out of 10. Bastards. Um, I think it should be higher than that. See full cast list here. Reporter, native child, native, native, native reporter, member of cruise ship, member of ship's crew, warrior reporter, member of ship's crew, character has a name because I've heard of it before I just can't think of it old woman in line at mission really the old <laughs> woman in line and the police officer gets man, gets a credit here gunman New Yorker a random New Yorker a Bali hooer gets a <laughs> My gosh. Okay, IMDBU at times suck too, and this is one of those times. You didn't see anything on. Uh, <laughs> you didn't see anything on Wikipedia. No, oh, uh, you look. You check it out. Like they only list like maybe seven, eight people, and like I said, the native chief actually gets a credit on there. <laughs> Noble Johnson, the actor. Not 1922. <laughs> I want 1932. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Victor what Wong. What an impressive... Uh, Victor Wong? Yeah, that's his real name. He plays as Charlie. Charlie, there we go. I thought it started with a C. And I found it on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> by the way how's my feed coming in I'm doing Wi-Fi only again uh, it's pretty good sometimes you're when okay. you talk at times it sort of like cuts cuts out your feed of when you're talking let me add the Ethernet cable again see if oh where's my cable <laughs> But yeah, the this uh, Victor Wong guy, he was born nine, uh, September twenty fourth, nineteen oh six, and was and born in uh, L A. There, so he's he's full on American. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, you're gonna you're gonna speak like this, what we believe to be stereotypical Chinese man. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> product of its time for sure and he basically was in the uh, the industry from 1914 to 1942 so about uh, 30 years and passed away at, on April 7th 1972 at the age of 65 wow this is an impressive set I mean Gosh, I would like to do. I saw there on Wikipedia the budget was like six hundred seventy-two thousand. I want to see what that's like in today's dollars. Uh, let's see here, inflation calculation. But yeah, we'd like to know where exactly this whole wall was erected because it wouldn't have to. It could have been inside a studio. Nineteen thirty-three. I purchased an item. 
for $672,000. And in 2020, that same item would cost... Really? It would cost over $13 million? What? Check the box office, which is uh, $5.3 million. Uh, $5 million but yeah thir- that wrong. 13 million budget that that doesn't make sense I, I must 5 million the 5 million it would be uh, in today's it would be 105.5 million mm. it seems right but I feel like both of those should be higher. Yeah. Let me check out a different calculator here. Okay. Enter the amount of money. 672000 Year. And here we get the first appearance of Kong. No, they're saying the same thing. Over thir- like a little over thirteen and a half million. Hmm. So it has to it must be right. Uh, very cool, like large um, animatronic. animatronic there. And as and well, if I'm not mistaken, and as well as the uh, the claymation quote unquote version of Khan himself. <laughs> Well, yeah, and the, their ability to like those trees there that fell, those were actual tree props. And the, to match them up with um, the, the, the um, armature of Kong mm-hmm. uh, is incredible, too. Yeah. Willis O'Brien, man, like, he, I mean, he was a master at this thing. And that's sort of the inspiration where you get, uh, oh, what's his face that does all those uh, famous uh, animatronic uh, films in the year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because he was inspired by all he of this. was his um, – O'Brien was uh, Harryhausen's tutor mm-hmm. or mentor, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, Kong, isn't he supposed to be like 50 feet in this one? I would say, yeah, between I'm trying to remember between 40, between 40 to 60, but I think, or maybe between 30 to 60. But I'd say a because lot of people, a lot of people have stated that he's on average around 50, but just the way it looks like in that scene with him carrying Faye there that uh, it seems he's more more or less between 30 to 35 feet because with the animatronic head foot and hand uh, that they made for this I'm almost wondering like even if it was even if he was supposed to be 50 feet it almost seems to me like those animatronics, don't get me wrong, they are very well done, but it seems like even for that size, um, they're maybe a little too big for you know a gorilla that's 50 feet tall. They're maybe a little too small because uh, when you see the 
the one shot of the animatronic version of Kong where he has uh, one of the tribal men in his mouth there. It just mm-hmm. see he just seems a little too small to be yeah, 50 I guess feet. Things. Yeah. Now this is where the movie begins to really take off. Oh yeah. You have what are we that's what's the time stamp on this here? Yeah, kind of like what I figured. Like um, basically, if you were to start at the moment of the sacrifice, like roughly forty-five minutes into the film, uh, is when the rest of this thing takes off. So you basically have like an hour uh, mm-hmm. non-stop action here. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Oh, see, and then look at this. Like that footprint. It can't I think be a, it's smaller than the animatronic one that they make that we're going to see in a little while. Yeah, and it, with that size of the footprint, it can't be made by a creature that would be potentially fifty foot. Stegosaurus. A stegosaurus that somehow is like psychotic. <laughs> it's like every every time I see that uh, stegosaurus, for some reason, it, it reminds me of the uh, Planet of the Dinosaurs movie. Planet of Dinosaurs. I was thinking <laughs> about that this morning. I was like, you know what? I you know what movie I haven't watched in a while? Planet of the Dinosaurs. <laughs> I remember you and I watched that so many times when we were a kid. And well, and, and just and just I the way found- how. And just the way how that was made, I always sort of was uh, scared. <laughs> well, that T-Rex and the synthesizer music that they have in yeah. there is pretty darn creepy. Yeah. But in 2004, I found a DVD of that. And I was watching that thing several times each week for like two months. Jeez. Like I kind of had a resurgence in it. Like so I was watching that thing a couple times each week. Jeez. But yeah, that that was... Uh, that was a creepy movie. Well seeing done, that when I was though. a kid. Yeah. That especially seeing oh my gosh. Especially seeing those scenes with the really long leg spiders and everything. Oh uh, yeah, that was creepy. I always felt bad um for the dinosaurs that got killed by that T-Rex because like that Stegosaurus he picks up, he picks it up by the friggin' head and you hear the crunching sound yeah. and he, like twist his head. Yeah. And then later on like an Allosaurus or some smaller bipedal predator, he grabs it by like the top part of the head and you hear the crunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then later on, like right at the end, you have a creature that's like the Retosaurus from Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. He grabs it by the neck and you hear the crunching and he throws it down and, and like that other Allosaurus creature grabs it by the head and the creature is like, like it's screaming and the T-Rex is like moving his jaw and you hear and the blood. I'm just like... I'm just like, as a kid, I loved that stuff. I'm like, all right, Bobcat, you go get that rabbit and tear that motherfucker apart. And... Now I'm an adult and I'm like, holy shit! Like, that's, that's gruesome. Like, yeah, I don't like that. Maybe one of these days we should uh, we should commentate on that. I would love to commentate on a lot of those films. <laughs> I have a ton of those films. For me, I just need to see if there's available. 
I have one here that I know you've seen, but for you, it's been a very long time. And I saw this, I think, last summer. Is it The Last Dinosaur? The first I've had that for like five years and I've seen that. But yes, I do have that one. Can't quite see. Whoops, I'm trying to move it here. Dinosaurs. Yeah, you mentioned about that before. Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> Planet of the Dinosaurs. Plex. Uh, re- uh, released that here a couple years ago on DVD. Yeah, see, Prime, it's on Prime Video, uh, two bucks to rent or five bucks to buy. Or you can get the DVD version for ten bucks. Oh, and it looks like uh, Rift Tracks. Did a thing on Planet of Dinosaurs. Yeah, I do remember that. It's like, you guys gotta just leave that stuff alone. <laughs> Jeez, please. Leave Pos- my films alone. <laughs> Poseidon Rex? What the heck? We believe in dinosaurs and it has a poster art of dinosaurs and then Noah's Ark in the background. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I remember on this uh, DVD version of that specific cover where it's like all drawn, that poster art drawn. It's like they're on top of an alien planet that yeah, like has a, these weird giant vines and you see Jupiter or something in the background. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like all these uh, muscular like guys and then uh, really sexy looking <laughs> female characters on it. Uh, let me show you the one, the cover that I got. By the way, here's another herbivore that is overly aggressive here. This one here is pretty cool, but it's slightly misleading, but it's in the actual film. Yeah, I remember seeing that version a few or so years ago when I rummaged around Amazon. It's Good Times DVD, but they don't make this one anymore. It's about Cheesy Flicks now owns the license for it. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen the cover for that. The only one different that I've seen is... When uh, the T-Rex is going towards his cave, having one of the people in his mouth there. I bet it's Michael. I do remember some of the characters, too. Yeah, it looks like it has the the blue, uh, like the blue outfit. That's Michael. (laughs) But yeah, uh, see, uh, see all the guys here that they were... They were on the raft, and I forget what the specific uh, dinosaur was. I don't know if it was a brontosaurus or something. It looks like a brontosaurus. Oh, yeah, it's a brontosaurus. And then chasing after all these guys. Again, the stop motion and just the detail on this thing is really cool. 
I, 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 maybe Skull Island too, like, is a freakish island. Like, maybe because of it's even though it's a decent sized island, obviously, it's still relatively small to hold all these variety of species that even the herbivores, you know, are just like overly aggressive yeah. <laughs> just for survival purposes mm-hmm. here the one one of the things that i've been baffled about in this scene specifically is that i don't know why that guy just decided to <laughs> climb up the tree when the brontosaurus can just easily grab him like he just did right there well, and I don't know how easy it was for him to do that because I looked at that tree and I'm like, the only branch you could grab was near the top where he was. So yeah, I can't climb a tree without some sort of help with other branches. <laughs> now, with King Kong Escapes, uh, Lincoln and I saw that here a couple weeks ago in Kong's battle with Gorosaurus in that film. It's very much an homage to what we're getting here. Yeah. It's still amazing, you know, 1933, you know, there was rear projection, but just also the means of somehow um, blending in, you know, stop motion effects and any other effects to make like Fay Ray come out of Kong's hands there and sit in that tree. And it's amazing. Yeah. And here we get the one of the famous scenes. Of him trying to topple this uh, log bridge with all the guys on it. He doesn't. That's a. That's an actual tree. He doesn't want them around. Can you imagine though, like. You're breaking up. Some of the violence we've seen. That probably. Hello? Hello? You're you're breaking up there. That's weird because I put in the Ethernet cord like 10 minutes ago. Why don't you uh, try to unplug? Is that, is that any better? Now it corrected. <laughs> That's so strange. You would think the Ethernet cord would have helped. Yeah. You would think it would have been quite the opposite. <laughs> Who do you think you are, bitch? This is one thing, even as a kid, when I first saw this movie, I'm like, considering he's uh, considering um, Jack is not that far uh, from where Kong is. Kong should have been able to grab him. Yeah. The precursor to Rambo right here. That's a lizard. A lizard with no back legs. Figure that one out. Yeah, I would like to know what what the reason for that is because 
we we don't even see it again after this. No, because it did. Well, maybe the T-Rex is good and Kong is bad. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> well, now you need to think about it. <laughs> Kong, I want to kill you, but... <laughs> Stay right there. I'm coming back for you. <laughs> <laughs> As I get older, I, I feel more and more bad for, like, the dinosaurs and stuff. Because <sighs> they're just living in Kong's being a neighborly jerk. <laughs> like Ultraman at times. <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster and you miss your home? <laughs> Pierce, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> or just beat the living daylights out of you. Yeah. Seriously, dude, I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm punishing you for for leaving your home. <laughs> There's a, like, dumb... Can you delete that comment? Is that someone trying to sell us something? We're at. I speak Spanish. Just look at minute three. I'm not sure. It doesn't have anything selling or anything. Because I know I deleted one, one of the comments last time. That was trying to sell something. You like lip gloss? Buy my crap. <laughs> it's amazing. Like this is a decently long fight, and I wonder, you know, kind of biting his eye there. Ew. Um, but I wonder kind of how long it took to put this whole thing together, or. Just doing all these animatronics overall, like how long that process took. Yeah, I remember, and I and I have it on a couple of my Ray Harryhausen DVDs. There was a documentary where he kind of talks about his career, and I think it might have been like Jason the Argonauts, where he had like six or so skeletons he had to animate. Boy, gruesome. Um. And he had talked about how just like a little bit of segments could take virtually all day to film. Mm -hmm. And he would say, I found out I would have to like buy each skeleton. So that way when I came in the next day, I knew what each one was going to do next so I can continue from there because otherwise I would forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just have to make sure that no one even touches that stuff while you were gone for the day can you imagine I would be so pissed if someone like even by accident like bumped a table or whatever and like stuff yeah. tipped over and just, like, 
<laughs> or like uh, or like the uh, was it the Leica studio that's been doing some of those animatronic films lately with was it Kubo and I forget some of the other known movies too that they've done but yeah they, they also do the stop motion stuff and they have these entire sets just full of this stuff it's like how can <laughs> like how can you just sort of leave that stuff be when you're gone for the day and just making sure that no one <laughs> has access to these areas when you're gone so that they wouldn't potentially bump I, into this stuff yeah well even if it was an accident i would have if someone screwed it up I, I would be like you're never going to work again not even pumping gas <laughs> i'm gonna make <laughs> sure your life is ruined <laughs> jeez Bird's already coming in. I th actually, this T-Rex isn't dead. I think what we're going to see here is it's still at least breathing, but I'm sure it's going to eventually die, of course. Yeah, I think when they walked by it. I know it was sort of the same thing with the Stegosaurus when his tail was still moving. Breathing there. Yeah, you can see it moving there. There's no, it's eventually going to die, though, because, you know, with a broken jaw, what are you going to do to feed yourself? Yeah. It's not going to be able to eat, bud. A T-Rex can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> He would still have to chew and swallow. You need both jaws for that. Yeah, just grind up stuff and sip it up with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> My body's will eat dirt. <laughs> or just drink my own blood. That's <laughs> gushing out. <laughs> Salty. <laughs> I know. That almost looks like Jack Black there, right behind uh, Robert Armstrong. Oh my god, Jack Black's a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm connected to this movie and the Peter Jackson movie. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> They add um, some random birds and pterosaurs every once in a while. From what it looked like, I thought I saw some strain for those birds when they were going along. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. String. <laughs> 
you know, it's not really a good movie if you can see the strings. It's pretty neat on the, was it, Khan's lair here that you can sort of see some of the layers that they put on top of that particular scene. Foreground here, you got like a bubbling, oozy mass. I think the steam was added post. Yeah, basically the foreground with that uh, bubbling substance there, like that entire foreground is post, you can tell. <laughs> it's Manda! To get her. <laughs> Manda's here! It's funny how a plesiosaur acts like a snake. <laughs> That'd be funny if he shoved its own tail down its throat. <laughs> sort of looked like he was doing that. Think you can choke me, buddy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a please you so far, but I act like a snake. <laughs> well, buddy boy, not today. Why would a please you so far like a snake? Well, look at it. It just wraps itself around. like <laughs> I'm going to do this to you. Can you imagine getting your head like slammed up against rock? Oh god. <laughs> no. <laughs> Way to go. In the R-rated version, he probably would have like even after he smashed its head, he would have grabbed it like by middle mid or base neck and just ripped it off the body. <laughs> well, that sort of reminds me of the uh the 70s version with the with that giant oh, yeah. snake. <laughs> that movie, boy, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it here because we talked about it like six-ish years ago when we discussed the film, and at some point we'll do a commentary on that one. But I know a lot of people like that movie and more power to you, but first and foremost, I don't see like that movie. I mean, sure, the Kong suit and all that is incredible. And Jeff Bridges is cool, and so is uh, Charles Grodin. But um, everything else about that movie is... I just... I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> A lot of people say, say it the other way around when it comes to Kong Lives. Yeah, I mean, that was a cheaper film, and I can see why people would think that. Kong Lives, though, I think has more substance to it. No. I also like how they... I also like how they did sort of like the matte screen sort of thing behind this animatronic Kong. Yeah. Well, again, how they're able to blend like Fay Ray's 
like you can sort of see like even with the dvd i can see it and i'm sure you probably can see it on the blu-ray like around Faye, yeah. like her background and everything is slightly lighter and yeah fuzzier but it still matches up incredibly well with the background of the armature mm-hmm. and um it's still really cool though how they were able to do that yeah Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm just seeing it here on the uh, the visual effects where it sort of cuts cuts off his arm just mm-hmm. right where the body was. You can still you can barely see some of the space scene there. Yeah. I just realized that. It's also the same same there with with that character. Jack. Yeah. It's like the similar thing. Well, they had to create um, you know, the the pteranodon feet here too. <laughs> For for that scene, mm-hmm. take her off and eat her. That pteranodon never stood a chance. <laughs> nope. Surprise! It puts up the kind of fight that it does. <laughs> like I don't know how it last this long <laughs> should have been in a few seconds <laughs> Kong could have sneezed and the thing would have evaporated <laughs> like Thanos snapping the infinity gauntlet <laughs> oh, half the population on the island disappears <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why he's looking. <laughs> the way she's dangling off of his neck there, it's just like, wouldn't you be choking Jack there? <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> and, that not, and then not having much room <laughs> there because it looks like she was about to fall. And I'd like to know how how much it was from between them and the ground itself there. Well, and right there, Faye Ray's character, the, the little doll that slammed into the, it was like right up against that rock. Yeah. There. <laughs> Fall. And those characters had to have fallen like a couple hundred feet. I think it like, if you would have stiffened yourself up and like try to get your feet to land in first, you would be able to survive that. But otherwise, boy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey guys, 
I got some good news and some bad news. The good news is I found Anne. The bad news is most of her body's left back here, but here's her head and she still talks. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, boys. <laughs> You're like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then Carl Denham's like, ah, throw that thing away. <laughs> like, it's the, the bottom of Jack's hands and the head goes flying over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh man demented version of King Kong <laughs> your R-rated version of Kong <laughs> the dummy version <laughs> if you had your pet gorilla and you gave it the right date what would it do to you? I don't know bud I'm not I don't own a gorilla. I've never messed with one. <laughs> the only thing we know is that they fling poo. <laughs> and they eat it. <laughs> That's a true story. Yep. Mountain gorillas. We've seen it on Nat Geo one time. You remember? <laughs> Nat Geo. Um, it was um, Kodak. Um, those Kodak animals i forget exactly but it was by kodak from the public library years ago all the time but yeah i can i can still remember that <laughs> gotta go see if i can find those kodak video moments i remember that because they would always advertise like other animals stuff kodak video moments animals let's just see what i can come what i can find here well that's not what i'm looking for let's see no one has them kodak you check an amazon right no, I'm checking YouTube just to see oh. if I can find like the Kodak animal mentory. Let's try that. That's probably going to give me a better idea of 1920s film on beaver dams. Yeah. There's a bunch of new ones, but that's not what I'm looking for. I remember one time we watched one of those beaver things but it's now like the 20s this guy's got a cobra head in his mouth Oof. Yeah. let me see uh, Kodak animal documentary 1980s it's, I think those were maybe made in the 80s And then here we get here we get Con breaking through the door. He's mad. He's just not mad. He's pissed. Don't you think the natives, though, after all this, anybody who came back to the island would have every right to kill every white man that sets foot on that island? Because look at what they did to their homes. <laughs> they let Kong out. And... Well, first off, they 
they uh, kidnapped Fay Ray, so. <laughs> Hell yeah, but it was to appease their god. <laughs> the R-rated version would have that baby smashed, but... <laughs> <laughs> get over you know for a movie that's pushing 90 just to blend in rear projection with actual actors and the um, armature mm-hmm. yeah you can see that with that tribal men and the uh, animatronic it doesn't seem like he would be 50 feet Ah, my butt! <laughs> you stabbed my butt! <laughs> I kill <Dumb> you! <laughs> Did you do that to me, House? I kill you! <laughs> you see that person dart out of that window? It. Oh, you're gonna have to. When we're done with this, you're gonna have to go back and watch that. Like the the um, little armature, that person goes zoom, darting out the window like it was a lawn dart. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go! Why'd you do that for? Now you're making me sleepy. <laughs> I do, though, in the 2005 one, like the fact that it took multiple uh, bottles of, I think it was ether in that movie um, to take Kong out in that one. Yeah, I think so. Whereas this one, it just Sleep. only took one. Yeah. Wonder of the world. And he points it at Carl Denham and says, No, you're not. <laughs> you're not taking that thing anywhere. <laughs> Were you nuts? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Carl's like, We'll teach him fear. It's like, Well, no, he's going to teach you fear because you're going to be sued up the wazoo after his rampage through your city. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's where we find Carl Denham at the beginning of Son of Kong. Yep. They work like forward and backward. Like this. 
<laughs> Where am I sitting? You're sitting right there, ma'am. Chug <laughs> <Jog> it. <laughs> we got enough of gorillas in New York. Well, no one said we had enough bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're nearing the end already. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it. Time flies when you're having fun and imagining <laughs> R-rated versions of the film you're watching. <laughs> it's like if we were watching uh, Peter Jackson's version, we'd probably be be at the beginning part of the island right now. <laughs> we know we would be like a half hour into it. <laughs> That's Mirror Man. <laughs> What's your address, ma'am? In other words, the way Carl Denham's talking about it, Kong was safe until he met Beauty, and it's like, well, aren't you then implying that women get you killed? <laughs> Is that what you're implying? Well, Is that that's the sort of message you want. Well, that's basically what he mentions at the it end of the film. That uh, <laughs> line Mickey gives Rocky in the first Rocky movie. He's like, "Hey, kid, you lay off that." Headshot dame. Well, yeah, I really like this girl. Well, let her train you. It seemed to me like more guys died than that. I should go through and actually do a body count. Yeah. Man, it, it looks like just with that tuxedo, it looks like pants are just riding up the crotch. There, it looks. <laughs> it looks like his vest that he's wearing is too small. Yeah. But of course, that's how it was back in the day. So. As cool as that you know, animatronic head and stuff is, it is pretty goofy at points, too. And this was one of those moments where... <laughs> and, and, two, and two, it's not like his teeth are going to be like all perfect fucking... <laughs> well, and then, like, you see... The, I don't know if they just felt like they needed to do it because they spent the money on it or they thought it would make it more lifelike but the the eyes would always be moving around and then the eyebrows would always be going up and down too and it just you know it's like <laughs> no one or nothing does that <laughs> <laughs> well if you if you act up like it then maybe <laughs> 
Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> you, you hopped up on methamphetamines, sure. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if members of that photojournalist pool ended up getting in fights over position and start no, I'm in front. No, I'm in front. <laughs> F you. I'm going to take you out, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> your mother. <laughs> start doing your mother. <laughs> Bit funny, you know, with Jack, with uh, there's like, hey, let's get down and dirty right here now. <laughs> <laughs> then Kong gets free and jumps down and smashes him. <laughs> and you hear this like squishy pop noise. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Some of the weird, crazy thoughts that we come up with. <laughs> oh dear, that guy! That guy about got thrown up against the building. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even see what happened there. The guy was like riding on the side of the car, like he was just standing, like on the foot platform there, and then the smashed head on, and he just was like, "Whoa!" And, like nearly got thrown to the building there. Well, and then when the, when Khan had that one guy in his uh, mouth there and just threw him down on the <laughs> pavement there, I wonder how that felt. Let's do an experiment, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you see Ghost Rider come in and he rides his motorcycle up the side of the building and takes his fire <laughs> chain and whips up Kong. And <laughs> is it going to... Is, is, is that going to be the Nick Cage one? <laughs> oh, of course, there's no other live-action version at the moment. <laughs> I have to say, this stuff is actually kind of funny when he's like picking up random women are you my love nope droplets <laughs> yeah that would be that would just be a crazy way to go like that you yeah upside down on your head yeah That's actually kind of funny, though. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, it's horrible, and Kong's right outside the window looking at him. <laughs> Peekaboo! <laughs> I win now, it's your turn to find me. What do you think you're doing to my beauty? Yeah, that that that's gonna stop him, Jack. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's gonna stop him. <laughs> and in fact, it came back and ricocheted and hit you. <laughs> Wonderful job, golf clap. 
Because he had chained, he was chained up. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but he can't. And that's the one thing, too. How can he climb up with her in one hand when he's only got <laughs> one well, other know, hand gorilla, available? You know, gorillas and most apes, their, their feet are more like extra hands than, than our feet. Well, so. yeah, but then it's like <laughs> you only got it's like you're going up vertically and you only got one hand available with one preoccupied. Hey, this is more believable than your <laughs> than your other theory. <laughs> Don't give Put me that, that shit. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> You're not getting away from me. Something awful. <laughs> Like, he was at the side of the building there, okay? So, like, he picks her up, and he's turning around. And, you know, part of his hand is, like, over the ledge of the building there, right? As he's turning. Yeah. Turning. He accidentally loses grip, and she slides out. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine, like, Tom going, oh! (laughs) Uh. Can you imagine? Like, he's already going on a rampage. Can you imagine what he's going to do after that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it's kind of funny. When's the next train coming? I hate trains. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Because he thinks it's probably a creature, so he's gonna just break it. This version of Kong though was taller than Jackson's. Jackson's, I think, was like twenty twenty five feet, and it was you know dwarfed. Like it could swing on the tracks underneath, but it couldn't stand up and um, break the tracks like this one is doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just get the uh like Texarkana uh <laughs> audio of holy crap not a lot of people hated that I'm like how can you hate that <laughs> really <laughs> like a lot of people I think probably because so many people love those movies they don't like it when they make fun of it I'm just like come on guys you guys love MST3K and you guys know they're in on the joke so yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's like <laughs> there's no harm in it I know it's just it, it, 
I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the fact that, you know, Rift Tracks did a thing on the 98 Godzilla movie because I love that movie so much, but it's just like, I don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> you know, I don't go out of my way to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I gotta. <laughs> oh, thank God for mute button on these things. Man, that's like, I've used this thing many times over like the last year or so that I've had them. Oh, man, it's a lifesaver. Uh oh. <laughs> I wish I had the cam on right now. (laughs) Again, yeah, I'm so glad that got a mute button on this thing. And so now we're at the uh, basically the finale of the film where Khan's famously up on the Empire State Building here. Hard to believe. It almost looked like that pilot. If you read his lips, it almost looked like the pilot said, shoot the girl. (laughs) Jeez, Louise. It looks like the material that the plane was built in, too, looked like it was pretty thin. Come at me. <laughs> That'd be funny if Kong like was so angry he jumped out to try to smash one of those and didn't realize like of course he jumped off the building and there's no way for him to recover. <laughs> and he just not only does he whiff at the plane, but he plummets. <laughs> oh, sort of like the Peter Jackson version, but he vertically jumps yeah, up and I love how that movie, though, too, makes you – they do a great job of character work with Kong, too. They make you sympathize with him as well. Like that that ending to that film is heartbreaking. This one here, you know, just like with those dinosaurs on the island, uh, you know, they they make it seem like he's just this beast with with nothing going. Yeah. Hello, oh. hello. And it's like, uh, oh, uh, sort of what we mentioned too, or what you mentioned before that uh, there isn't a whole lot of character development when it comes to the original version, whereas the Peter Jackson version that they had a lot of character development, not only for the human characters, but for 
con as well. Yeah, and I mean, that's another reason, too, why I love that movie so much is that Kong just isn't this, you know, like when you get not just with this film, but a lot of creature films, you know, all the way up through like the 60s, 70s, maybe even the 80s, where they're just kind of portrayed as mindless brutes, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. to... Not only, I think, quote unquote, realistically portrays um, the the gorilla, mm-hmm. but Kong is the most important character of the film. And, you know, I, I think it's appropriate to, <laughs> you know, to try to get to know that character. Well, Call basically, crazy, basically, he's the title card. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, you feel kind of bad for him here because, you know, you're seeing him get shot. But they don't do as good of a job throughout the course of the entire film of of really portraying him as anything but brutish creature that just is going to smash everything in his path. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, just hitting that part. <laughs> and then going all the way down the side of the Get building there. I would love to cover that Jackson film again, but we already did. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll do it as a solo or something. Solo, solo. Life is like a hurricane living in Duckburg. <laughs> That's completely separate. <laughs> oh. There goes Carl again, blaming women. (laughs) I mean, seriously. I mean, you've been listening to some of the things he's been saying since they got back to New York. And that is the end of 1933's King Kong. Why do you think that women killed Because he says it was beauty that killed the beasts, that it wasn't the airplanes. I would, if I remember the press pool, I'd be like, no, Carl. You killed him. You brought him back here. (laughs) You brought him back to civilization. What did you think was going to happen? (laughs) Well, I did not. Well, you should have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I know you would do that. (laughs) Yeah. um, Just kind of go into some general thoughts on the film and then we can wrap up. Yes. It's your it's your typical uh, con film, you know the original. <laughs> well, I mean, most most of the con films that we basically have seen have been basically built around this sort of version. But uh, other than that, it's always good to at least see the original film. To be honest, mm-hmm. and it's just just sort of you know. Just 
as an escapist sort of film, and it's uh, something that you can enjoy nostalgically in a way, just seeing all these uh, familiar faces that you probably have grown up to seeing if you've watched this movie countless times, if you're a Colin fan, uh, to say. And the visual for, visual effects for this time period is just outstanding for for what it is. And a lot of it still stands up pretty damn well, especially through this uh, the DVD version on a 4K uh, TV. A lot of it still stands out pretty good visually. And You're watching the Blu-ray, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I am, but on a 4K TV. Um, well, you were seeing DVD on the 4K. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um <laughs> matters <laughs> but um yeah as far as the character development um yeah it would have been nice that if they could have improved that area a little bit especially with con with him being uh the title of obviously the whole film that's what it's all about so um with that it's still a very good cult classic film in its own right yeah, um, I still love this movie. I And again, when we were near the beginning of this film and I was talking about how I prefer Peter Jackson's Kong over this, um, it's a preference. And, and again, look, all props to this film. If you didn't have this, Peter Jackson wouldn't have his own. Um, nope. And this is still a very good film. Like Jason talked about, the, the visual effects still stand the test of time, and this is a movie that's almost 90 years old. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that tells you something. And we did inflation calculations earlier. We double-checked our work because we were initially thinking something was off. Yeah. But no, <laughs> the, the budget for a film like Kong in today's money is a little over 13 and a half million uh, in terms of its budget. And that's really small because most of your blockbuster special effects films anymore, you're looking at anywhere from like 100 million to 200. You're looking at like, yeah, 80 to 200 some odd million, depending upon what it is you're wanting to do. I mean, that may barely come up on the radar depending upon what movies you're com- modern movies you're comparing it to yeah like with with that sort of money you can make a rocky movie out of that well yeah the original rocky cost just under a million yeah but and that was in 75 so um i do enjoy this film an awful lot and as we talked about earlier i do wish the character development was better Uh, a lot of them are very one-dimensional occasionally you may get some two dimensions out of it i as i've gotten older and i've seen more of this film i'm actually kind of shocked at how little of a role faye ray actually plays yeah there most of the time doesn't have a ton of, uh, of dialogue so um she spends probably more time screaming than anything else yeah it, um, and just thinking about that too it just seems that she's just mainly one-dimensional in that throughout the entire film just her being the damsel in distress and right being the the eye candy for Kong. Yeah, and again, I don't have a problem with that because look, I'm I'm a fan of quite a few schlocky films. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you talk about one. Dim- let's see, do I have one within reach here that I can point to? I know I have one. I just don't know if I can. Uh, no, it must be buried. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. But again, when I think about this film, I can't help but to think about Jackson's Kong. And then when I watch Jackson's Kong, I think about this one. I, I think it's hard to not think about the other film being one of those versions in the moment. Um, mm. This is still a very good film. It's fun. Um, I think when you really put your mind really think about the time it was produced and you look at the effects work and you look at how well a lot of that still stands up I mean you become really impressed and enthralled with just the ability of the effects to stand the test of time Mm -hmm. and as far as the story yeah it's very simple nothing wrong with that Um, it is still a fun film I still enjoy it Uh, like I said this is the second time I've seen it in just a little over two years um it, it really is. Yeah. So with that, um, we actually changed the date. Instead of February 6th, February 7th is our next podcast. We will be doing a commentary on Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, that's a film I haven't seen in a little while. I'm actually looking forward to that. I've been wanting I, to watch. I have not so. seen that since when it came out in theaters. <laughs> so, so it's been I, a couple of years. Uh, after it came out on Blu-ray, I've seen the film, I think, twice. Um, I do like it. It's not perfect. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into more of that here in a couple weeks. So instead of the 6th, which is on a Saturday, we're coming back on the 7th on a Sunday, and we're doing Pacific Rim Uprising. So join us for that. I think that's going to be a, a real fun one. And then let me just quickly pull up the thing here so I can give everybody an idea of what to expect down the road here. Yeah, because uh, – because I don't think we we've only gone all the way to early March as far as our schedule goes. Yeah. So uh, after Pacific Rim Uprising on the seventh on February twentieth, we are getting back to Daimaji. We are going to do the return of Daimaji <laughs> commentary, and then on March seventh, we're going to do Daimaji Strikes Back. Uh, and, then, and then, so we're going to round out the Daimajin. Yeah, um, and then, series. and then I would say, assuming that after Daimajin strikes back on March seventh, we will be doing Godzilla vs Kong. Um, no, let me because let's see here, seventh, we're going to end up doing. Actually, no, you're right. Considering how everything. If we did it on the 6th, we'd be doing something on the 20th, but the 7th's on a Sunday, so we could do something on the 20th or 21st if you wanted. Um, <laughs> do another commentary. We could squeeze another commentary. Let's think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. let's talk talk it over. But yeah, that's kind of what to expect, really, for like the next you know, month and a half. Mm-hmm. Two months, technically, you know, minus the possibility of another commentary. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have anything else before we wrap up? Just want to say thank you so much for listening and or watching us and for this commentary of a classical film. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, if you've uh, missed out on our thoughts on the new trailer to the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong film. We did that before we did a commentary earlier on the episode. So once we uh, wrap everything up here, uh, and maybe in a little bit when uh, things get 
uh, wrapped up as far as uh, YouTube goes, uh, rendering the video. Just uh, make sure to go back to the early parts of the episode and just get uh, see what we're, our thoughts are on uh, the trailer to Godzilla vs. Khan. So with that, uh, thanks for watching, everyone, and uh, tune in to uh, February 7th for Pacific Rim Uprising. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next month. Woo! <laughs>